At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit. This is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep with your host, Joel O'Connor. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I've been a penny. I will buy the stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. Morning, good morning, good morning. Welcome to this Coinbase IPO edition of Benzinga's pre-market prep. Spencer Israel, Dennis Dick, Mitch Hodge, Joel, last I checked at least, is still on vacation. Uh, it's going to be a day, everyone. It's going to be a day. We're going to talk Coinbase. We're going to talk that that trade uh, heading into the Coinbase IPO that we've been talking about seemingly, I feel like, for weeks now. Uh, I've been warning about it. The runoff ahead of the IPO in all these crypto-related stocks. And it happened yesterday. Dennis played ball. He's going to tell us about it in a few moments here. Uh, what else did I have? We had earnings this morning. I guess the uh, the start of the earnings season is upon us. We got the banks. We got Bed Bath & Beyond reporting this morning. So we'll talk about that. We can talk about... Uh, Credit Suisse unloading more blocks last night. We'll talk about that. And we'll take questions from our chat, as always. Two guests today, Mark Chaikin, usually joins us on on Thursdays. will join us on Wednesday this week, and he'll be on at 8.15. And then Peter Tuckman, Wall Street Global Trading Academy, longtime veteran of the New York Stock Exchange, or at least of the floor. Uh, he'll be talking to us from the floor at 9 o'clock. You can bring up my charts here. We're pretty much up. I mean, we're, we're at all-time highs. What else is new, right? We're up in the SPY. We're up in, in all every major index. We're up. Bitcoin is up. Of course, Ethereum is up. Oil is up. Gold is down. Who cares? Let's go to Dennis. Dennis, how's your morning going? How's your how's your Tuesday? Good. It's been a good morning. Good. You called it, Spencer. I played it. The Coinbase trade. You know how I love to buy ahead of a catalyst. Yep. Huge catalyst. That's all they're talking about nonstop on CNBC. It's like Coinbase Channel. They're changing the name. Uh, the acronym's still there, but it's going to be Coinbase NBC now because that's all they talk about right now. And that works. Those trades work. When you get that much media hype, people are talking about it. People are thinking about it. It was predictable that Bitcoin would probably run ahead of it. And that's absolutely what we saw. So at the close last night, I bought Tesla. They own a lot of Bitcoin. It'll be seen as a Bitcoin trade. Yeah. I bought PayPal. I bought Square, I bought Mara, I bought Riot, I bought BTBT. I think those were the six stocks I bought. 
right. Yesterday, I sold a couple of them last night because they were already trading up, and I sold the rest of them this morning. I'm out of it all. I'm I'm just so, curious, I'm just curious why why those why those six stocks? Yeah, I don't know. Those are the ones on my list. I I got the Mara BT BT oh, yeah. and Riot that I know trade along with the mining aspect of it. And then Tesla, just because it owns a bunch of Bitcoin and they'll see it as a Bitcoin trade. And Square and PayPal, same thing. They see them as a Bitcoin trade as well. All right. So those were the six I picked on. I mean, there was more. There's some smaller plays like CAN. You know, you, there, I know here's your list, you know. So there's the smaller ones that you guys track, like LGHL, you've got on there. Yep. These are the ones. This, these are the main that I, the, the main three that really move around a lot with it. I always do Amara, Riot, and BTBT. And then, not directly related, but kind of there. Tesla on a day like this would probably get some love because everybody thinks, oh, they own a lot of Bitcoin. Yeah. So if you're talking Bitcoin a lot, some people are going to think Tesla. So it worked. Trade worked. All six made money. And you're in and you're out, right? I'm out. I sold it all. I sold last night. I sold BTBT. It was already up a buck last night. I'm like, okay, well, it's given me, you know, it's up a buck last night ahead. And I was like, well, what if a trade doesn't work? I'll take the bird in the hand. So last night I had actually sold out of BTBT and Mara and Riot because um, they were already all trading up last night. Mara actually was about the same price. It was 52 and change. So I took the money. PayPal and Square hadn't seen any love yet. I was like, I think they'll see love in the morning. So I held them Tesla as well. Tesla was actually down last night after hours. I was like, I think it's going to go up. So I was, you know, it was a double edge because you're trading and it was trading down and I thought it would go up. And if you hedge it with the Qs, um, obviously you're making money there too. So I sold Tesla way too soon though, too. I always sell too soon. I sold everything too soon. If I would have held them all right now, I'd be up a lot more money, but you know, what What can you do? I always sell too soon. My entries are good. My exits suck. That's been my life for 22 years. What can you do? I guess just make, make money. That's what you I make less money than I should. But you know what? It's selective perception too, because in some cases I sell too soon, but then those stocks go down afterwards. And, you know, I don't think about those. I'm just always looking at the one. Oh, I should have held on to that. So it exactly. cherries out on whether, you know, maybe I do sell too soon. Because in some cases, the sales too soon are good sales. So, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's still trading. You're never going to get the whole entire move. You're trying to take a chunk. If you're taking a chunk of the move, you're doing pretty good. A lot of times I take the first bite and then I leave the meat for somebody else, which is something I need to figure out after 22 years. I'm not sure I'm going to figure it out. <laughs> it's your personality, man. You got to stick to what works for you, right? And at the yeah. end of the day, that works for you, Dennis. So that's why you do it over and over again. Mitch, this is exactly right. You have to be trading what works for you. What works for other people, you know, might be trading some small speculative stocks. It might be trading just mega caps. It might be doing, you know, different things. It might be trend following, you know. Mm -hmm. I try to employ, a, a, you know, probably 100 different strategies for different market environments. One of my favorite ones, though, is what Spencer Israel has been talking about for a week, is the run-up into a catalyst. And we absolutely have that run up into the Coinbase Catalyst today. A lot of times, you know, people are jumping in now and now you're late to the party because even Tesla, it ran all day yesterday. And that obviously, you know, was just due, you know, we looked at it on the charts and it was breaking out. I mean, yeah. we talked about it yesterday morning. I was like, that chart looks pretty good. Yeah, you so guys, uh, after for a long time, you've got to be able to change your opinion on this market. You have to be able to change your opinion quickly. I've been bearish Tesla for for a long time. And yesterday on the show, I'm like, I can't really be bearish it anymore. It's holding on. It's now bumping its head up above 700. If it gets above 720, it's off and racing. It's exactly what it did. It opened mm -hmm. at 710, 712, blew through 720. 
and off to the races we go. And now it's 783. Now, I would think 800 would be a logical stopping point this time if you're trying to call the stopping point. But, you know, I'm not going short there because now the momentum has clearly moved to the upside. You have a lot of move. These growth names are starting to get some love. Obviously, the Johnson & Johnson news helped catapult tech stocks yesterday. You had a lot of tech stocks getting love. But, I mean, you just got to be able to adjust quickly on the fly. That's what trading is all about. Let's go into that because I, I said yesterday um, morning on the show that I thought, okay, this 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 reaction in the market to the J and J headline, the, this this sell the reopening stocks, buy stay at home stocks, seemed a little bit overdone to me. I said that at like eight fifteen. Well, I was wrong. <laughs> I was concerned I, I was that wrong. they were just so oversold that it could continue. That was my concern. I had Teladoc long TDOC. I held it through the open, and then it ran another two box, and I'm like, okay, I'm out. 187, I think I sold. And then about 10 minutes later, the thing's 190, and I was like, why did I sell it? Yeah. It did go down in the afternoon. But this is the, the market that we're in. It's you know, it's a whipsaw market, and when the momentum gets going in one direction and it switches directions, really when it switches, if you can catch the turns, there can be you know, some significant moves. I mean, Tesla was a big turn higher. But you look at the Teladoc chart now, it looks a hell of a lot better than it did yesterday. And we're getting some follow-through here this morning. Some of the Kathy names, some of the growth names, they look better right now. I've been a couple days too early on it. I was preaching this about four trading sessions ago that I was starting to add a little bit of growth names. For two days, they kind of bet me, and I got stopped out on a couple of them. Teladoc, I was one that I actually had held on to. Um, but... It's still tricky. I mean, to time the turns, you think you got it. I was two days early. So, I mean, the Johnson Johnson was the catalyst yesterday that really turned us back into the tech trade. And they weren't just grabbing the Amazons and the Apples. They were grabbing the growth names, the ones that were beaten up for a while, because that's what worked in 2020. And, you know, all of a sudden we got concerned that, hey, you know, the vaccine, you know, getting stopped here is going to slow down the reopening trade. Let's pile back into tech stocks. Yeah. And that's what they did. And then, you know what they did in the afternoon? They're like, okay, screw it. We'll just pile into everything. And everything <laughs> started to rally. So, again, buy the dip, just the eternal trade that just continues to work. Works once again. It is so hard to be short this market. Uh, I try. I try to be short this market. I continue to lose money on the short side. RD asked, what about the, the stocks that you hold too long? And the reason Dennis doesn't hold anything too long is because he uses stops. You get stopped out. Uh, I mean, they're mental stops for him. Yeah, like Fubo, well, for instance. Well, you know, we liked Fubo them. on this show for a long time. Um, it looked like it was getting some life back in the middle of February. starting to have a couple of days, good headlines. I bought it in there somewhere. I can't even remember. Maybe it was early March. Somewhere. But, um, you know, I, I think I might have bought a 31 or 32. And I was like, it's starting to show some life. Well, then it boom, 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 you know, a couple of days and then I get stopped out. I had my number. I think it was like 29 bucks. Stopped myself out of 29. It's 21 now. So I lose a buck, maybe a buck and a half on the trade, which is like, oh, you know, people say, oh, I can't take a loser. You know how many people say I've never had a loss. I mean, this is why I take losers, because I don't have the small losers turn into big losers. In some cases, in the long-term best portfolio, I've definitely, everybody you know, has that happen every once in a while. You market long-term, and I try to forget about it, and then it just destroys my portfolio. This VMAR one was a really bad one, which I'll probably write off at the end of the year. But I always do portfolio cleanup at the end of the year, Ooh. too. Yeah. You know, what, what I do at the end of the year, because I typically 
usually am up money. I mean, I haven't had a down year in 22 years, so I've always been up money. Um, I start taking losers at the end of the year if I have some, you know, in the longer term stuff just to offset some of my gains. So I do it's portfolio cleanup, tax loss selling. Sometimes those stocks come back, sometimes you regret selling them. But at the same time, I'm paying less of a tax bill and I'm making my portfolio look better by getting all the crap out of there. You've got to, you know, it's like, you know, we go out there and what do they call it? Deadheading the flowers and make them all look better. That's what you got to do to, to your portfolio every once in a while is clean it up. But during the, the my day trading stuff, though, I have zero tolerance. I don't play games. If I'm on the wrong side, I want immediate gratification. Like on that crypto trade, yeah, I'm holding it overnight. But if they all went down for whatever reason, I would have said I was wrong and I would have sold them all. I wouldn't have like held on to the riot and the Mara. I had a feeling they were all going to get bit up because I figured CNBC would be talking about this nonstop. We talked about nonstop last night, which is probably going to be a driver. Yeah. But at the same time, if you're wrong, you got to admit you're wrong quickly and cut those losers as fast as you can. I'm wrong every day. I'm wrong on lots of trades. I have lots of losers. I'm not one of those people that has 100% winners. Those people who have 100% winners will probably eventually have a lot of big losers on their hands. If you're unwilling to take a loss you probably in the long run are going to end up losing money, believe it or not. You have to be able to take losses. All the traders that I've experienced at break trading, and we've had hundreds of traders, thousands of traders come in and out of the firm, you can pick them out off the bat. It's the ones that are unwilling to take losses. No, this will come back. This will come back. And you know what? They look like heroes for a long time because it comes back. I'm like, it came back for them again. It came back for them again. It came back for them again. And I'm like, scratch my head. I was like, man, this is not what the textbooks teach. And then all of a sudden, you get into a market like 2007, and none of it comes back, and they blow out their account. So bull markets make everybody look smart. Bear markets make the real traders that are going to survive in the long term look smart. It's a game of math, right? It's a game of math. That's all it is. And having your losers smaller than your winners, the math adds up in your favor. So I have lots of losers. Lots probably probably batting around 50%. But you know what? My winners are usually much bigger than my losers, which makes my PL green on most days. So let me talk Coinbase for like the details of today for a second, because this was interesting. Uh, so it's a direct listing. So the filing was out last night. They're registering 130 million Class A shares. That's coming into the market. Uh, the, actual, the total float is around 261 million shares. That includes restricted stuff. This is interesting, though. They set a reference price, right? For direct for direct listings, there's no IPO price. There's a reference price. The reference price for Coinbase out last night set by NASDAQ and Goldman Sachs was $250. That values Coinbase at $66 billion. Why is that interesting? Because a month ago, they did, Coinbase disclosed that in the private markets, the average price per share was not $250. It was $343 which gives it like a $90 billion valuation. So they went from $90 billion in the private markets to $66 billion as opposed, according to the reference price from last night. Why would they do that? A uh, couple reasons. Uh, one, maybe give themselves a buffer, right? They're, they, they, price- they don't want the thing opening and tanking. Right. They give mm-hmm. themselves some leeway. They, 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 they say, okay, we're going we're gonna to price it below – where we're traded on the private markets, give ourselves some leeway. That way, it, it you know we, we have a buffer between the, uh, what we think is our true value and and the actual like IP or reference price or, or opening price. Uh, if if they price it like if they get too excited, they price it above that 
private market valuation then and it tanks then everyone is everyone's pissed everyone's screwed out um right that 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 does not bode well but if they if they price it below then they give themselves some room on the upside and it uh, gets people like oh maybe i'll come in there it creates demand right this is exactly why when I when the realtor sold my house in Windsor, it was the same thing. I said to the realtor, "I'm not taking under six hundred thousand. I said that for my house. I'm not taking under six hundred thousand. You know where they priced it? Five something. Five sixty nine. Yeah. And they're like, "We'll get you a six hundred. It sold for six forty. So I mean, that's why you know I had nine bids. I had forty showings. If you price that thing at six fifty. Then people are like, wow, they're a little bit too high. You know, so it, all of a sudden you're getting half the showing, you're not getting as many people interested. So, same thing here with Coinbase, price it a little bit lower, direct listing. And, you know, it's not like an IPO where, you know, people, that's the difference too, Spencer. Yeah. You know, with an IPO, you price it low and people are like the insiders are getting less money. Mm-hmm. This is a direct listing. So, you price it lower and it gets popping up. I mean, Okay, well, that's what you want to do. You want to try to create that demand. So I'm not surprised that they priced it a little bit lower for that yeah. reason. So to anybody's guess as to uh, a when this opens and b where it opens, right? Dan O said he sees he's seen between 200 and 700. Good luck with that, right? Like <laughs> we don't know when, we don't know where. Let's get Mark Chagan's thoughts on this. Mark, are you buying the Coinbase IPO today? Oh, uh, this is a little bit out of my league. Uh, oh, what a little Mark. <laughs> things out of Mark Shakin's league. We know this. I, I don't have a feel for this whatsoever. Um, oh, that's a different story. Yeah. No, no power rating yet. If you don't have a feel no. for it, it's not out of your league, but if you don't have a feel for it, you don't have a feel for it. You know what? I don't have a feel for it, feel for it either, so I probably will not be actually trading coin today. Even though I traded the Coinbase run up trade that i thought bitcoin would get the pop i'm probably not going to trade coin yeah but everybody thought that so if you want to fade the masses you've got to expect bitcoin to have a little bit of a pullback after this coinbase is buy on rumor sell on news right yeah get the event a lot of times those are selling opportunities so maybe there's another trade in here yet we will see what else have you guys been talking about this morning? We haven't even got to the bank earnings here no, yet. No, I mean, we're just talking I, that's Coinbase. That's what I want to talk about. Yeah, even... let's talk real real earnings, real numbers. Let's talk the banks. Well, uh, the real blowout was Goldman Sachs. That happened to be my bullish stock of the week on Sunday. Uh, City had raised their estimates way beyond street, and they still came in better than that. They came in... 80% higher than street estimates. Oh, my God. Look at these numbers. So, yeah, so, give us the numbers. So the, the, the revenue is good. The revenue beat uh, by 40% is $17 billion versus $12.5 billion. But the earnings, are Mark just saying, uh, huge beat, uh, 82% beat. The EPS earnings per share was $18.60 versus a $10. And that was in the quarter? That was for the quarter. In the quarter. I think a city quarter. is estimating, I think, $39 for the year. City uh, stocks trading at three thirty-two. That the, it's unbelievable, really. Goldman just continues. When the heck does Goldman ever miss? Do they ever miss earnings? Go to the count? even when the stock goes down on earnings, they usually well, beat. Yes, last year they missed. <laughs> yeah, no, they missed. Uh, yeah. Well, we got to take COVID away. That wasn't look, fair. Look what's going on. I mean, the SPACs are, and and the M and A activity is just that's, enormous. That's what I was going to say, Mark. Uh, everyone, all these headlines about it being a record quarter. For deal flow, where was all the deal flow? It was in SPACs, and who's helping facilitate that is Goldman Sachs. It's Goldman, yeah. I mean, and and they're pitching the story about um, you know Marcus and growing the 
managed asset base, and that's a much more stable revenue stream. So you yep. can make a case that at nine times projected earnings uh, or eight, eight and a half times projected, this stock is cheap. I think it's going to 370, 390, but it's going to take a little time. Out of all the banks, would Goldman be your favorite one? Probably uh, Goldman and Morgan Stanley. And Morgan Stanley. You can buy one of the indices because they make up about uh, 40% of one of the bank indices you know one of the um yeah capital markets indices but here's what's interesting and i think people ought to really know this you're coming into earnings season with analysts wildly optimistic across the board in all 11 sectors and typically when analysts are raising their estimates coming into earnings it's a very high bar to meet and stocks typically sell on the news which is what you've had in the last couple of quarters except in the financials and consumer staples. So two grew sectors where when analysts are raising their estimates coming into earnings, the stocks tend to keep going if the companies beat. So that, that's an important distinction to make. I just want to add too, I put up a daily chart and if Joel were here, he would definitely point this out. Um, where do you think the Q1 earnings report happened on Goldman Sachs? Right there, that big red candle on the 19th. And it sort of marked a turn. Yeah, uh, and Did they beat in that quarter too. They always beat, Dennis. They always beat. <laughs> so here's, here's what's interesting: in the three prior quarters, Goldman was overbought coming into the earnings. Yeah, so it had rallied in anticipation. This year, no. It's not that's why. Going that's in. why I like this uh, stock coming into the quarter. Yeah, it's, it's different because right. It, it, that's a great point, Mark. Rallied into the report, beat the report. Doesn't matter. Marked a turn. No such rally this time, really. Um, and you see, I, I remember the, the move just reversing hard in Goldman Sachs right after that, that first quarter report in January. Um, so this, this time could be a different, a different story. And it's not just Goldman Sachs, too, because we also had J.P. Morgan this morning. I'll pull that up here, and you can see uh, they were out. They beat on their EPS and also beat on their sales. Uh, not as big a beat, but a beat. Actually, no, a pretty that's a pretty good beat for J.P. Morgan. That's a beat. $4.50 for a $3.10 estimate. Jeez, Louise. Sales, $32 billion versus $30 billion. So huge beat for J.P. Morgan. Wells Fargo also out this morning. Same story. Not as big a beat, but it's a beat nonetheless. Beats across the board for all the banks this morning. J.P. Morgan um, made one sort of hedging comment that uh, loan demand was challenged. And when you, and when you dig into that, they said credit card balances are down. Well, why is that? Because the consumer is so flushed with cash. That's good. That's good. That's, good. That's really good. So, you know, the market sort of sold off a bit when that comment came out in the stock. And I think this is very bullish. It, it really plays into my thing that the consumer is going to drive the next wave of the bull market. And they're so flush with cash, even before the stimulus payments. So I, I think it's a good environment. But how about segueing to the market? Because I do have a a bit of a flash. What do they do on the uh, on the cable news shows? Breaking news. You what do you know, got? What do you got? Stories of breaking news. Wait, I, 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 I have one of those, Mark. Hold on a second. Give me a minute. I, I actually have one. Got a soundboard for us now. No, no, I have this. Hello. New. What? That's <laughs> the first time we it. saw that. I've All never right. seen that before. Well, um, I, I, I well, save it for a special occasion. Oh, okay. What's a special occasion? The, 
bottom end of my trading range for the year, which we projected in late November of 41.50 to 43.50 when the market was trading at 37.50. And I think oh, we're going to see a top here in late April or early May after these earnings reports have their impact. And I don't know if it's going to be a 5 to 6% pullback or closer to 10, but I do think the market is stretched. I'm sure you've had people on talking about how we- Sorry. Oh, oh, yeah. More breaking news. My fault. My fault. My fault. That's all right. But, you know, we were two and a half standard deviations above the 50-day average coming into the week. And the S&P is just up, you know, grinding its way uh, into the options expiration. So I do think uh, once we get above this 4150, 4200 level that everything else is gravy and people should start thinking about taking money off the table toward the end of the month. Uh, let's see how things play out. What about the Tina trade, though? Because I take the money out of the market. I have no idea where to go, and I'm concerned about inflation. I mean, I, I have wanted to sell this market for a while, and I just can't do it because I don't know what the heck. For one, I don't want to pay the tax on all my gains. Two, I don't know what to do with the money. Pay the taxes. Let's pay the taxes. <laughs> just leave her in cash, or we go to crypto? Um, Put it all in Ethereum? Crypto is always a um, place to look. No, I, I don't think we're going to get um, beyond 10% pullback, but I do think 6 to 10%. And when you think about what that might do to some of the wild stocks or even the uh, reopening trade stocks, there'll be opportunities to put the money to work. I'm not saying go 100% in cash, but I do think it's a time. Anybody who's got profits in here, is they're well-deserved. They've lived through COVID, negative headlines across the board, social unrest. It's time to book some profits late in the month. I'm not saying to do it here, but that's a nice band of 4150 to 4350. You, you've been, been a good run. You've been bullish. You've been calling for more upside for the rest of the year. So it, interest, I'm interesting. It's interesting to hear you make this call now. Well, good. it's it's not a negative call on the market. Yeah. I'm still very bullish, but um, the post-election year typically gives you an opportunity to get in again. So if you're a trader, certainly you want to take money off the table during earnings season. You just don't want to go into May fully invested. And there's plenty of opportunities coming up. All right. I, I got a question here for Mark. I don't get a chance to ask too often. So hey, I Mitch. definitely want to give a, a question your... here. Um, so one of the areas and industries that I've been looking at is if we look at like like the one month relative performance of energy, we'll see energy has been really hit over the month to month. But I'm starting to see the trend coming down. If we look for like the one week relative performance, we see minus 2% and even the day going slower. When do you think we could get energy to come back into favor here? I wish I knew. I'm long XOP and that's the worst of my ETF portfolio. This is sort of an intermediate term portfolio. I'm not happy with it. Uh, it's hard to tell. It looks like a three wave move down off the top. Uh, but where it ends, I don't know. Mm -hmm. I think part of this, uh, trade is that you had expectations for global growth that may be dampened because of the um, vaccine situation in Europe and the, the COVID explosion. But uh, I don't know where energy is going to stop. If I did, um, I'd, I'd be looking to buy some names in here. But um, this is a tough chart to, to bottom. I, I think if you use some sort of Fibonacci analysis and assume that this is a three-wave down, you could probably pinpoint a bottom, but I don't see it yet on the chart. 
Mark, uh, one more thing before I let you go. This call you're making uh, on, you know, maybe taking some money off the table, um, is is this a short-term thing? Is it, is it related to inflation? Just short-term. It's not related to anything okay. except sort of the cyclical rhythms of the market and what often happens. In the, remember, you, you have this debunked, uh, you know, sell in May and go away theory. It's not wrong all the time. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, th- unless you think this is nine, uh, 2017 and we're going to go straight up all year with no pullbacks, you've got to believe that we're setting ourselves up for a disappointment somewhere. Don't know where it's coming from, but it's definitely a short-term call, okay. not an intermediate call. And it's, you know, I, if you get more than 20% in cash, I think you're doing yourself a disservice, but that gives you a lot of room to take profits. There's plenty of stocks that have gone up. Uh, you know, 50 and 100 percent, particularly small caps that are still making new highs that, where you can take advantage of further strength. Remember, the first quarter earnings are built into the market. That's why we went up. The question is, what happens the balance of the year? And there's still some uncertainty. So definitely not a change in the intermediate bullish outlook. You've got to let's go back to what um, Paul McCray Montgomery said. The most bullish thing the market can do is go up. And that's what's been happening. Uh, But there's a time when you have to adjust. And from a trading point of view, and even in investment accounts, I think it's time to raise cash. All right. I got one more. I've been seeing tech moving back into favor here. If we look at the one month relative performance, we see about 7% up. And if we look um, over the year, you know, it'd be kind of in the middle in the industries. So how do you see tech? Is it, is it back? Is it, is it, is a tech party back? I think it's partially back. There's tech and there's tech. So Google, Facebook um, doing really well. I, I still don't like the, uh, the COVID economy stocks like zoom and Zendesk. Um, and I think these stocks are vulnerable and would be selling on a rally. I mean, if you look at the chart of zoom, that might be a good stock to put up if you can. Um, nowhere near that 440 spike on the last earnings report. Um, right there. And, and, you know, tech is back. Yeah, I mean, Zoom's bounced off the 300, 305 level. But uh, this looks like a stock that you would have been seeing in 20, uh, 1999, 2000. You know, in the NASDAQ. Failed rallies. Still has to prove itself. I think any... Further advances in these stocks, um, Zscaler, Zendesk, this uh, team, Adelazian, which we use. And they had guidance last night. So um, Is that right? I didn't see that. Yeah. All right, yeah. Mark, Mark I, I just set a calendar alert for May 27th, uh, reminding me of this call. Uh, and, Excellent. All right, is that far enough out for you, or, or is that? Or is that too far? That's perfect. Uh, by that point, right. we should have peaked and, and have some chop and maybe a little bit of down. All right. We will check back on this call in a month and a half. We'll, we'll talk to Mark in a couple of weeks, though, doing this every other week. Mark Shaken, thanks you, thank you, as always, for the time. Shaken Analytics is, is uh, the site that he founded. Check it out. Mark, have a good one. You too, Mitch. Good to see you. Thank you. Always good thanks, to Mark. see you. All right. Yeah. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, Mark. <laughs> uh, Dennis, everybody wants, wants me to ask you about Dogecoin. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna bring doggy it. coin. Yeah, doggy. I'm sorry, doggy coin. I, I I'll forever call it doggy coin. Yeah, I heard it went over ten cents. 
Yeah, Are the dogs barking? You it's a dime now. And it's 14. 14 cents, actually. <laughs> 14 now. Holy doggy coin. Who no, let I don't the dogs know out, man? Coin. <laughs> Who let the dogs out? Uh, the Coinbase IPO let the dogs out here, Mitch. This is a two-day run-up ahead of the Coinbase IPO. Everything crypto is hot, at least until that Coinbase IPO. I kind of agree with Mark. I think you ring the register today on all of this stuff if it's short-term trading. Yeah. Obviously, I have Bitcoin in the long-term portfolio. I'm not ringing the register, but could it top out short-term today? It could. Um, I, I think, you know, if you bought Doggy Coin a week ago and it went from 7 to 14, you just doubled your money. I ring the register, but who knows? I mean, <clears throat> we're so disconnected from reality on everything. I mean, the creator of Doggy Coin, I watched an interview with him. He created that as a joke. Yeah. This is a joke. Yeah. Like a literal joke. Like he yeah. created this as a joke. And all of a sudden it's got a, a market cap of how much? Um, oh God. Uh I don't hear I don't market cap. I don't know how you, I, I think it's over a billion dollars. Market cap of uh what is that? Twenty eighteen billion? It's worth eighteen billion? Is that right? No, no. No, you might be right. There's a lot of there's yeah. a lot of it looks like seventeen billion there. Well, it's a lot of commas, yeah. Oh, because it's up a lot. Yeah, that's insane. So a joke, a complete joke, has now a market cap of seventeen billion. I mean, this is the market that we're in. People are just buying anything. They're, you know, we're obviously buying tweets for two point one million dollars, whatever they paid for the the Dorsey tweet. I mean, we're in this market where people, you know, are are just nuts. Oh, so yeah, it, it, if you're buying doggy coin, investing in doggy coin, I think it ends in tears eventually. But if you're trading it. You can trade anything. You know, I I just trade Tesla. I said I think I've said for a long time I think the valuation is way overvalued. But I belong it. You can for overnight you can trade anything. So the doggy coin had a nice technical breakout through eight cents. Your technical traders are long that thing. You can only trade on technicals. There's no fundamentals. It's nothingness. You know, I guess you could say it was a catalyst, you know, ahead of the Bitcoin ahead of the Coinbase IPO or, or the Coinbase direct listing. I keep calling it an IPO, but I guess direct listing. Yeah. So the catalyst was there. But to, I mean, to go and say, oh, yeah, I'm going to you know, be an investor. This is going to a dollar or two. I can do anything. It's nothingness. I mean, crypto is all really nothingness, except Ether has a use now with the NFTs. Ethereum. Yeah. I, I'm seeing Ether. some diversity play here. If you're diversifying between multiple coins, let's say Doge, uh, Litecoin, you're in Ethereum, you're in Bitcoin, you're in the major names, you'd be doing pretty well over a year. You'd be doing um, so. Crypto so that's, has that's just one been thing that I noticed. It's been good. I mean, I I'm up, I don't know, what 300% in Bitcoin or something I, like that. I've tripled I, my money in Bitcoin and Yeah, I have too. We all <laughs> it's, been good. I mean, it's been good. It's been good. Uh, it's been good. I mean, I don't know. I took out my cost basis, so I'm forever playing with the house's money and I'm like mm -hmm. said I'm going to let it ride. I said I was going for the the Winklevon twins, $500,000. I was like I'm riding this to zero or $500,000. I got to like hold to that. It's only 61. Uh, so do I have another 10 banger in here? I don't know. I hope I, so. I still want to put it out there. BTC to 100K this year. This year. Oh, I think so too. I 100K think it hits 100K is in reach. Year. I do too. I think you're going to get a pullback though. I think today you get a pullback. And if you get down, maybe you get down to 50,000 again, maybe a restrike. But, you know, any it's hard to call the path perfectly too. I'm staying long for one. I don't want to pay the tax on it too. I um actually I don't even think I have to pay the tax on it. I think I I bought it in the the ETF was RSP eligible. So actually it's the government's money's half of it. So 
Um, I pay the tax when I liquidate just like an IRA. So I actually don't have to pay the tax on that. I shouldn't have thought of that. Now I'll sell it. But 100000 I think it's a good target, Mitch. Nope. I definitely do see it in sight. And one of the things is I'm wondering if we get some panic dips like we got in 2018. I'll be paying attention to that. I don't think we get them that often anymore because the platforms are way more efficient than they were, let's say, back in that other boom. Um, but I'm going to be paying attention to see if we get these because that's when I was buying back in 2018. That's yeah. whenever there would be these panic dip buys, I would be on every platform just trying to get a little snippet because it, it, Bitcoin was dropping back then, let's say 20, 30, uh, 50% on these panic dip, buy, dip buys. So that's what I want to see if we get these again. I well, haven't we seen went, them, but yeah, we went from 18,000 or 19,000 on Bitcoin down to what, three? We went yeah. to 3,000. And then, you know, I was what on was board. I was like, I at 3,000, I, I was the opposite. I was like, I remember. I think it's going lower. I'm like, it, I think the story's over. And then you know what it did? It started coming back. And I'm and like, then, okay, it's mm-hmm. not going away. It should have went away. If the story was over, it should have went away. And that's why I changed my thesis when we were around 10,000. I was like, I remember I said, I want to buy the shirt that I love Bitcoin. I said, I want to buy Bitcoin for some reason. I just can't. And then it ran to 20,000. I was like, I'm an idiot because I've been bullish Bitcoin from 10 to 20. Pull back on Thanksgiving down to like 16.5 or 17. I'm like, I'm in. And I bought it that day and I've been long it since. So, I mean, you've got to be able to change your opinion. My opinion was Bitcoin didn't make any sense. I still don't think it makes sense. But the story is not going away. People do see it as an alternative asset now. It's been too long. That's why I think crypto is not going away. And now, and all of a sudden, you know, like you're saying, Ethereum, it has use with this NFT stuff. I kind of like the fact that, you know, I don't know if I'm a huge fan of NFTs or not. I haven't decided yet. I'm warming up to it, though. But, you know, I'm not paying $68 million for an NFT painting. But it's interesting. I can see, I can see the angle. You know where you can see the angle is like even in like a stock like Playboy. PLBY. Don't even get me started on that one. You can see, I know, and we talked about this. And this stock continues to blast off, but you can see that's an NFT play. I mean, personalizing, like, you know, like uh, the whole naked girl theme, you know, like I could see that as a play. So you can see like how NFTs could fit into that. Like here's your, your own personalized photo of your favorite girl or whatever. You could see where they're going with that. So it kind of makes sense um plby as an nft play that one makes perfect sense what it makes sense too is tops i mean with muds it kind of makes sense as an nft play and i don't think you know it's coincidental that this thing continues to go up this is seen as an nft play now you know so, which one else <laughs> wwe man the wrestlers man well people anything to do with famous celebrities really as well you know this is where nfts come in you know, it was like that. What were we talking about like six months ago where you could go on that site and you could pay somebody to, um, you know, a cameo. That's a great cameo. That's a, just a genius business. Yeah. Genius. The, the NFT stuff works really well with celebrities. Yep. They work really well because this is where people like I'm a huge fan. You know, I'm a huge fan of Connor McDavid. You know, like, you know, you get your own, not that I would go buy a personalized thing, but if you can personalize something like, and this is a, this is a huge moneymaker for celebrities going for it. Celebrities are going to get a lot more money. They're going to get a lot richer here because of NFTs, you know, Kardashians, all that they're going, anybody who's got a, a big name and is famous, 
the NFT stuff fits right in because people idolize, you know, a, a yeah. movie stars. They idolize sports yep. players. So all of that stuff, they idolize, you know, models or whatever. And that's where Playboy can fit into it all too. So you can see where the NFT stuff's going. Is it about, you know, people and a $69 million paint? I think the NFT market moves into, you know, idol, like making stuff of celebrities, you know, the sports. You can see that angle. That's why I like the, the Playboy play off of it, although I would not chase it here now. It's just ran too far. The WWE is interesting, Mitch. It hasn't run at all. Is that a potential uh, NFT play? Maybe. Yeah, they've talked about it. The yeah, name. and then, you know, and MUDS, MUDS is like a pure play, I think, you know, with the Tom's yeah. baseball cards. That oh, makes really? sense to me, too. So I, 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 I can see those stocks. You know, you can see where NFTs make sense. You can see, you know, there's some that just doesn't make sense to me at all. Somebody's going to buy a $600,000 virtual home. Like something like that doesn't make much sense to me. Well, but. The personalization of your your, fa- your your favorite actor, I get that. I get that. Yeah. Well, did you hear what the the Nicey is doing for their NFTs? What are they doing? They are uh, minting NFTs for to celebrate the first trades of a couple of recent IPOs. So it, it, it's like a ten second highlight of the very first trade slip. That's for, cool. For Spotify, Snowflake. DoorDash, Roblox, Unity, and Coupang. Um, and it's it's like a it's an NFT of of the IPOs. And I don't know. I, I don't know. It's cool for us in the trading world. Yeah. That doesn't have mass appeal though. No, it doesn't. No. Vegas it, it, Vegas mentioning something here that I think we gotta keep an eye out yeah. for. I've been talking about this one. I, I don't know when they're gonna come out with it, but I think you're right, Vegas. Why not Hasbro and, and Mattel? Yeah, I mean anybody with IP theoretically should. Uh, should yeah, be, especially licenses. Any any heavy licensed company. Yeah, should take a look at those because um, there's a reason why they have the license. It's because it's valuable, right? And so you can use that to to monetize it into an NFT. That's really what you, what you're seeing here. Everybody that has good license assets, look for them. To, to maybe dip into NFTs. I think that's how you find the new ones. What There's... do you think the best NFT play is out there right now? Is there any sleepy ones? Is there any, like, I know we've, you know, had a, a lot of, you know, people you've had on SPACs attack, you've had, you know, on the power hour, you've had some interviews with some smaller companies. Like I, I naturally think Playboy is a really good one. PLBY. I think MUDS is a good one as well. I would love a pullback on MUDS to try to get back in that. I've been buying pullbacks on that. Um, and selling, I'm just buy, buying the pullback and selling, trading it just from a long perspective, only not going short it um, this last few days because I'm bullish. And that's another thing, too. You can day trade stuff, too. If you've got a theme you think it's going up, you buy the dip, you sell it. You buy uh, the dip, you sell it. You buy the dip, you sell it. So here's my, all the way up too. here's my answer to your question. And Noah Posner is on the same wavelength as me. Bait me to it. Best NFT play. Noah what, what? Disney. That's it. That's the only answer. But there's two there. Also mentioned, genius, genius, genius. Don't forget it. What, what, already it. Yeah. That's All on right. the radar. Who has who has the most IP of any company under the sun? It's Disney. I want Star Wars NFTs. I want Marvel NFTs. I want a good freaking D- Disney Peter Pan NFTs. Give it, a, give it all to me. Give it yeah. all to me. This is just getting started. And you're right. There's certain companies that are directly beneficial. And the obvious ones, an obvious one, I'm really still kicking myself with PLBY. But 
a Disney, maybe it's not an obvious NFT play, but when you're saying it, it, it is, makes it sense. Is, it is an obvious NFT play. Yes. No, it's the it one thing is Disney's sense. so big. It's like it's an NFT is going to move the needle for it. Yeah, you know? it will, and I'll tell you why. Because Disney Plus moved the needle, and Disney Plus is a is yeah. fraction of that company. Who cares? Who cares? Yeah. It's all about growth, right? Yeah. What about Nike? Justin saying Nike. Uh, Nike has it. They have their athletes that they can monetize. You know, that's when yeah. I would look for that. Um, one other also being mentioned. Um, it was I just saw it. He mentioned it. it looked like one. Oh, Live Nation. Why not the music? Uh, yeah. Oh, that, oh, that's a great one. That's, that's a, a good, good one, one by Traveling one. Trader. Yeah. Shout out. Yeah, Live Nation's a good one too. Think about concerts. Think of, yeah, that's that's a really good one as well. That's a, that's definitely um, a good one. I mean, yeah, you think about actors, you think about singers, you think about sports players. Who do people like? I think I when you think about it, who do you yeah. idolize? Who do people idolize? They idolize athletes. They idolize movie stars. They idolize you know singers. I mean, who do you idolize? Performers, and then look at the companies that are tied into that, and maybe those are obvious NFT plays that are coming. And I mean, when they announce it. It's going to get pops too. Like, and these come out and they have a good idea on NFTs. You're going to see, you know, the, the stocks potentially pop. Like, if Disney came out and said, "We're doing all these NFTs of all these Marvel superheroes." Mm-hmm. Disney stock would pop on that. It would. It would get, you know, it'd be like, "Boom! Oh, wow!" So, right, right now, we're just brainstorming on this show for you live right now on what we think, you know, could potentially turn into an NFT play. Um, you know, obviously, you know, these are the obvious ones that people have already jumped on, like PLBY, but there's some not so obvious ones here. So chat comes up with some great ones too. You know, I can see how Nike we gotta mention the biggest stock, Dennis. What? Doc? Game stock. Game Game stock. (laughs) GME's gonna be all of a sudden GME gonna be an NFT play somehow. Maybe it I mean, you you heard they're really hiring. Like you can go to their website right now and apply that you are an NFT expert. And they'll listen to you at least. They're thinking about it. I think you know. How does it, how does this GameStop work into it? Besides, like, I, don't know. I, I because, don't know. Because I'm one kidding. of the things that GameStop has done well on, and people don't know this, is that they have done well on collectibles. Um, it's actually been a part of their business before NFT games started. Um, they would sell collectibles in their store. Um, let's say certain limited edition uh, products from games and stuff like that. So I think just think about it. I mean, there's there's a lot there's a lot there to play with. Um, a lot of games coming out, and what they need to do is they need to make partnerships with these game makers so that they can be have exclusive NFTs from these game makers. Um, and that's how I think you start seeing it. I, I think it's a huge. I think the game makers themselves, and I'm long Take Two. I'm long Zynga. I've sold my Activision, but you know what? These are all NFT plays as well. I think. Zynga, I, I think Zynga's I agree with you. Keeping on watch. I, I think I agree with you too. Um, and you know, maybe these are the ones that are going to start to get some life. But there's so much licensing, like, and there's so many people who play these games. Like, I'm not a big gamer anymore. I was as a kid, but I get it. I think you're right, Mitch. I think in some of these games, that's an obvious NFT plays too, and tying it all in. Like, think about how they could tie it into the video game as well. Like, here you have an exclusive weapon that you can buy for your game that only you can use in the game. If they could code that in and tie that in somehow. It's not that. It's like, here's a weapon that's in the game that everybody who buys this weapon, you get a cut of that because it's yours because you own it. Right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, that's if you want to sell, like, if if you want to sell something. You know, I, I I see two markets for NFTs. 
One is like this $69 million painting where you have the Twitter, you know, tweet where you have exclusive rights and someone wants to use that, they have to license it from you. I see that as a smaller market. The bigger market I see are these small personalized NFTs, like where players are doing something special yes. for you, yes. you know, like, and it's not expensive. It's not like a million dollars. It's like, oh, for 500 bucks, we're going to send you a personalized NFT, you know, where it's only for you with your name, you know. We're I, in that world, right? We're in yeah, that world. Personalization. Personalization. Personalization of it. Customization. So, it needs to be about me. Yep. And, and and that's what that's what I think the NFT I, I agree with you, Dennis. You'll I see think them. that I think it's a personalization aspect. That's how I see Playboy too. I don't see Playboy. Okay, yeah, they can probably sell some supermodels, special photo and auction off and get a couple million dollars. But it's the personalization of, you know, you like this girl or whatever. Well, she can, you know, send you her autograph picture or her or her, you know, NFT you know, video or whatever, 10 second video, you know, whatever. I can see like the two markets for it. So the sports, the same thing, you know, the, the personalization, like you're getting, you know, a, a message from one of your favorite uh, athletes, you know, whoever it is. And, you know, I, that, so there's basically the two markets that I see, the, the high end and the low end that everybody can afford, the personalization aspect of it. I like that better almost than this. Let's sell a painting for $100 million. All right. This has been great. This has been a great conversation, but I, I want to bring it back because there's a couple other things I want to get to before we uh, – you're running out of time today, but this was a fantastic discussion on NFTs. Uh, I want to remember to uh, promote our contest. I just put the link in chat. Yesterday, I said you can win $75 in swag. No, we moved it up. It's now $100. Ooh. Click on the link in chat to win up to $100 of Benzinga. Put it on the screen, man. Let me see it. All right. There it is up on the screen. Uh there are the, you have to subscribe. You can subscribe to one of the two Benzinga channels. That's right. There's two Benzinga YouTube channels now. There's the main one that you're on now, and there's Benzinga Clips, which is just for clips, just for highlights of this show and all of our other shows, not for any live stuff. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter. You can share with your friends, and you can enter the secret code, which I gave away yesterday, and I will give away again today, and I'm not going to repeat it until tomorrow. That code is haircut. Is your secret code is another I way. I still need it, man. <laughs> it's hard to get a haircut out there in oh. this environment. Well, but, uh, my wife can do it, but she's been busy. We've been moving. We still aren't settled. I mean, we seem to move every six months here. So, <laughs> for our subs that are already subscribed, guys, just go ahead up and hit those button. We're not doing you guys wrong. You could still enter. You'll hit the button, and it will just go through for you, and you'll already be approved. That's one of the best things of already being a subscriber. You don't got to worry about it. Just click those two buttons. You'll get your two. You'll get your four entries right off the back just yep. by being a subscriber. So definitely hit that. I'm showing the Benzinga clips here, guys. Definitely check out the video I did yesterday, guys. I did a little short video on what Kathy Wood said on SPACs. We haven't gotten many comments from her about SPACs. So definitely check out this little clip video here on Benzinga clips. And the only way to get there is Benzinga clips, guys. Hit it, hit it up, hit it up. I'll put the link in the, in the chat here or go through it through our giveaway there. I'll put the giveaway back up here. Definitely, guys, win some swag. Win it. Yep, I will announce the winner on Monday. Uh, well, the contest ends Friday. I'll announce the well, winners, I should say, winners on Monday. Uh, and then we're going to do a new one every week. This week is through pre-market prep. We'll do a different show next week. So you have to stay tuned for that. But uh, 
wanted to promote the contest there. Okay, what do we not get to today? We did not get to the chat really at all. We did not we didn't get to the CS issue too, which we was one of the right. big three that we were talking about is that Wang is not liquidated yet. Okay, Credit Suisse doing more Credit Suisse thing, things last night after the close. They were unloading blocks of Discovery, D-I-S-C-A and wow. D-I-S-C-K, as well as IQ, which somehow I just missed. I didn't even realize that IQ was caught up in this madness, but apparently it is. And I just, I either I forgot or I just didn't even know in the first place. But anyway, Discovery, D-I-S-C-A, D-I-S-C-K, and IQ all down last night. I'll bring up the charts so you can see it. Uh, Credit Suisse unloading more shares. Where are these shares coming from? Yeah, well, we know where they're coming from. It's the same place that they've all been coming from. It's like, when is it done, though? Like, how big was this guy? I don't know. I mean, how many IQ shares? Was it 35 million unloading this time? I thought I saw 35 million go by. Maybe. How many more could there be is my question. Uh, it's just unbelievable. So I got to go see. Yeah, It was 35 million more shares of IQ, another 19 million shares of DISCA, another 22 million shares of DISCK. After liquidating all of, you know, they've been liquidating, it feels like, for weeks. How do you let somebody get this big? Risk management needs to all be figured out, you know, and reevaluated. Um, because this is just an epic fail of risk management by the firm. Um, Goldman, obviously all over it. They got out quick. They got out early. They identify risk. They liquidate. I mean, this is the way you're supposed to run your business is not taking on risk from individual clients. And this is just tough, man. When you see more stock again, it's like, when is it over? So the question is, is there a value opportunity here now that it's been, you know, these things have just basically been annihilated. I mean, IQ has gone from $29 down to 16. Go to the monthly chart. You have huge support at $15 on this thing. Like, I mean, this is support forever. Like this is the, 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 the level, (laughs) the great, you know, the level of levels here. Joel was talking levels. This 14 and a half to 15 is just huge. Has yeah, it been down here too many times that you eventually take it out? I mean, you got to stop yourself out if you're doing it. But is there an opportunity here to buy IQ into the weakness today? Lean on, let's say, 14 and a half. 14.35, I believe, is the all-time low. Lean on that level. If you get a mid-15s, you risk yourself a buck and saying, I think it's over. And we don't know if it's over, but we hope it's over. And maybe it's due for a bounce. It was showing a little life yesterday until they throw another 35 million block out there. But... IQ's at a big level. It's a stock that was doing very well until the liquidation started and yeah. just hasn't stopped. Yeah, you know what this reminds me of? This reminds me of toothpaste, where you think, all right, it's done. It's empty. Nope. You can always squeeze a little bit more. You always get a little bit more. There's always a little bit more. You think, all right, I, I'll, I'll, I'll throw it away tomorrow. I'll, I'll throw it away tomorrow. I'll come back tomorrow. Nope. There's more. Well, I usually don't even have the backup toothpaste, so I have, I'm forced to try to squeeze a little bit out or my teeth aren't getting toothpaste <laughs> on them. Yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> you, 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 you gotta roll it tight. You gotta roll oh, it. I do it. Oh, yeah. You get the you know, rolling pin there on yeah. the you use you the try tooth, to get as much out as you Use a toothbrush. You gotta have the technique. Yeah, we, we all have our own technique. Everybody's got their technique to get the toothpaste out. <laughs> just like a trading strategy. Just like bit. a trading strategy. You yeah, gotta, you think you about how it works. works. You use like, you know, like the toothpaste tube for like three months and like three quarters or 80 percent of it's gone and then the next three months it's the last 20 percent if you can utilize the first part of it you never have to buy toothpaste ever again you just a little smidgen yeah that's enough little smidgen on there 
that's pretty much yeah you know what i i do is i'll, I'll use like the the top like the hard the hard uh top and i'll use that as leverage and i'll just press it down again so all the stuff at the bottom comes up but we all have our own ways of, of getting that last but that's what this reminds me of they, i i thought they must be done unloading chairs now it's been it's been, oh, yeah. it's been two weeks nope there's not more. done not done yet. Not, not, done. not right. done yet. So yeah. obviously, if he's got to unload another 35 million shares next week, the stock's probably going lower. So if you're buying it here, you're gambling that he's done. Yes. But I, you know, it's it's possible for us to tell if he's done or not. I mean, they don't tell you who it is, too, but we all know who it is. I mean, these blocks, same stocks. Well, it's obvious who it is. So it. they just the way that works, they just shop the blocks. CS puts out a note. We're shopping a block. They throw it out there, gets passed around the street. They say the range that they want. They got the IQ pricing range, 1585 to 1635. So they're going to try to price it somewhere in there. Is there any buyers for the 35 million share block? There'll be some interest. They try to find the buyers and then they price it out when they have the buyers. So usually they do. Sometimes they only get a piece. Sometimes then that sucks if you only get a piece of it. I don't know if we have confirmation that they've got the whole block sold, but they were shopping 35 million shares between the price of 1585 to 1635, still trying to liquidate our friend. A uh, couple other things uh, I want to hit Stitch Fix real quickly because the CEO, the founder actually, uh, uh, Katrina Lake, is stepping down as CEO. She'll become chairman. That stock traded down in the after-hour recession, though it is up a little bit this morning, uh, or has bounced, I should say, this morning, but still down overall. That was off that headline. So new the founder. Anytime, anytime a founder steps down, that, that's always notable, right? Yeah, it usually means the stock's yeah. going to go down too. Yeah. So it's been so beat up. It's so oversold as well. I've wanted to buy Stitch Fix a couple of times here, but it just cannot seem to rally. All those stocks are the same thing. I mean, the Fubos, in you know, obviously there's there's been you know this market that is relentlessly higher, and then there are some stocks that just cannot catch a bid. Every time you think Fubo gets a positive headline, and they sell it back down two days later, it's right back down again. I mean, they just cannot get Fisker, same thing. I rebought my Fisker shares that I sold. Really? And it's been a mistake. I'm actually down in the position now here. You know, I sold a bunch of 20. I sold some of like 27. I sold the, I, I kept a small piece, but I sold uh, a, more at 24, 25, somewhere in there. And then I kept a small piece. And then I reloaded the whole thing. So I'm back in the whole position at 16. And that was a mistake because now it's 1480. So I'm actually down. I mean, I, I took some big money out of it. So I'm not down overall if I considered. But on this new trade, I'm down. I don't know. It just cannot catch a bit. The EV trade, besides Tesla, just cannot catch a bit. I feel like it's way oversold. I feel like it's due for a bounce. But it just uh, does not bounce. So there's so many you. stocks that fit you. that bill. I was going to mention, I'm going to do some fire, quick fire here. So stocks that I'm liking today, I'm looking at XPEV, NIO. Maybe that starts the EV trend you're talking about. Um, I like those charts, seeing multiple bottoms there. Let's see if it gets a little strong today. Um, next one's up, love, good good report. Let's look at some of the outdoor plays today. Keep your eye on Yeti, um, even OSTK looking good on the chart. Uh, a couple of different plays there you guys can keep your eyes on today. Also, upgrades in airlines. Uh, you can look at save. And there nice was... reversal for them all yesterday. Yeah. yeah all, all the reopening places. stocks that were way down were buys on the dip. Um, and some people, Spencer, you actually had said that too, that you wondered, you know, the fade trade both ways. They worked on this, this side of it, it where the airlines, the cruise lines, they actually, a lot of them closed green, which was incredible because a lot of them were down three, four, 5%. 
Uh, so who was it? That, I think it was Vegas that just said in the chat, uh, real, real fast, going back to our uh, our Stitch Fix commentary. He wrote, "Google the term CFO steps down for the fade trade works every time. It's a good idea. That's a good idea, actually. The CFO steps down. You usually have an immediate sell reaction. Yeah, usually yeah. have an immediate sell reaction. Right, but he's- and then it's not always right. But I, I, on the on the headlines, I usually try to short the stock as soon as I see CFO step down. Yeah." Yeah, I just thought, I thought that was a good comment. Uh, I've seen a couple questions in chat about Coinbase, which we discussed at the top of the show. Um, we again, we don't know where it'll open. Two fifty is just the reference price that was set. That's going to be more of a guideline. Can we do a competition? They all want a competition on who can guess where it opens. Guess the price where you think Coinbase opens. Let's can do, we do it. it. Let's do it. Can we give away um, a one-month free subscription to Pro? Uh, I know, yeah, you get in trouble. I get in trouble for doing that. No, we, we, we can do, we, <laughs> yeah, we can do I, some swag. We can do yeah. a, a discount. Or swag. Yeah. Swag or the Pro. Jason's in the chat. What do we, will, he, will he pass it, the one-month free subscription? We, we, what we need to do swag. is we we'll need to get like swag, a, a Bitcoin necklace that has a, a Bitcoin and on the back says Benzinga. There you go. All right. There you go. Let's start. All right. We're going to start the contest. The prices are already flying. So we're going to have to look through all of these after. No, no, no. You just had 100 entries. You just had 100 entries. I'm not doing that. I'm not going through the chat. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what we're doing. You got to go through. There's 100 people just put their I got you guys. I got you guys. Don't worry. Spencer will go through it. Don't worry. Spencer won't do it. I got you, Okay. Me, you, and Mitch are going to give our prices. You can put your price in the chat. Mitch will look through them. There's literally probably 150 of them just like that. Boom. Right. In the keep first putting minute. them in. I got to grab them. So keep putting them in. All right. So my official guess for the opening price uh, for, for Coinbase is, you know, what? I, I'm going to do some math here. And then I'm going to get Peter Tuckman on in a second. I'm going to do some quick math. I'm gonna I, I want to wait till I hear the Spencer is wrong. I'm going to do the price. Fine. Of the right okay, fine. <laughs> We're my, going back more. price is two ninety six fifty. You think it's two ninety six fifty? I'm going way higher than that. I think it opens at 3 350. I'm going 350. They're getting blocked. I'm going 350.01. Just because some a lot of people are going to go 350. So I'm going 350.01. Oh, man. You guys making my work cut out for me today. I love it. 350.01 for Triple D. Mitch, what are you saying? Where is it opening? Uh, I'm going to say 450. You you honestly have 500 entries that just went in, Mitch. They're going nonstop. There's, oh, there's 10 me. entries a well, second right now. I didn't now. want to do it this way. You, you, put, you, get, you put out a, a, a Google form. You have everyone enter their number. Yeah, go th- Mitch, you're going to be working all day. I'm not, I'm not this is it. why you use Excel, man. I'm not stressing. I'm holding the, the highlight button right He's now and grabbing throw, everything. He's Fine. grabbing them all. Mitch, is, Mitch uses technology here. Fine. All he right. throws this in there, and then he'll search for the winner. Right, There's gonna exactly, be multiple. Somebody, somebody put point zero zero one. <laughs> somebody put a million. Cheating. All right, let's I'll buy that for a penny. Prices right rules don't apply. Let's hey guys, if if you guys appreciate right me doing all this, let's get to five hundred likes. Five hundred likes. Let's see it. We got Peter coming on yep. right from the floor. I mean, you can't get this anywhere else, guys. Hit the like button. Hit the subscribe. All right, three fifty. That's where it's opening. I got right. it. I got All right, it. cut off. Cut off time. Cut off time. No Three. More. No more. J- Jason wants us to keep going. He wants. To, Jason wants to pop on. All right, cutting off the numbers here. I'm okay, bringing, that's the end of the competition. That's I'm, the end. I'm bringing on Peter Tuckman. Peter, where is Coinbase going to open today? Live from the floor of the New York Stock Exchange. Oh, nice. The only thing, the only thing I can say is I'm really disappointed that we did not get the listing right. You know, we haven't. We 
it would have been such an amazing opportunity. Direct, you know, direct listings are 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 a challenge in their own right, just because yeah. of the lack of transparency. Then you go to NASDAQ, it's going to be hard. Although we're going to get a lot of information from there on the floor here about where it will open and when it's going to open. But I, I love the fact that you're getting all that energy and excitement over this. This is the flavor of the moment, right? All eyes are on Coinbase. And you know what? I'm, I'm more in the camp of the 350, although I'm not recommending it. I'm not your financial advisor. But the excitement for me, what makes this so exciting is how many how this has just created this whole new generation of people involved in the space. Look at what's happening with the other with Litecoin, with Ethereum and with with um, Bitcoin. This is going to be an amazing opportunity. And uh, I'm excited. I'm going with the 350 camp. It could be higher. Peter, Peter, what are your thoughts here, though? You look at, you know, ICE and you look at the market caps and at 250 or, or where do they price it? 250, Spencer? Is that where yeah. it's, yeah. It, it's got a market cap it's similar to, to, to it's, it's a reference price. The reference. Yeah, the reference price. Go ahead. The reference price. It's got a market cap similar to ICE. I mean, you think about all the businesses that ICE has and you've got Coinbase that's got a market cap that's probably going to be above it. Is it overvalued at this point in time, just from a, you know looking at it fundamentally? Because you know, ICE, you know, I just think about how many businesses you have there, and then you look at obviously you know Coinbase, and it's going to trade with a valuation possibly higher than ICE. You know what? It's irrational enthusiasm in so many ways. I don't think I would relate it to that on valuation relative to ICE at all. That's been a different space at different times. It's traded way way higher than it is trading today. I think what you're seeing is this. It's the flavor of the moment. It's unbelievable. Look at what Bitcoin has done. Look at all the other coins that are trading. This is sort of one of the first opportunities people will be able to fractionally uh, invest in this one. Um, it's sort of people who have missed the boat and been sort of naysayers all along are going to have an opportunity to get into the space, uh, you know, under $500 a share, let's say. Right. And even if you go on Binance, you'll be able to get it uh, in a fractional point of view. So I think it's an opportunity for everybody who's been on the sidelines to get involved, to have a little exposure. They're all going to be sitting there showing everybody their phone that they were able to buy a piece of this thing. It's and, and again, we don't know. We don't know where it's opening. We don't know when it's opening. Um, you know, that's that could be another contest we do is what time does this even open? Because some of these direct listings don't open till like two o'clock. So we're going to talk about this more throughout the day. Um, Peter, do you have any other any other things on your radar? Surely, surely Coinbase is not the only thing happening today on Wall Street or, or, or on, on the floor. By no means. Look, uh, you know, when you you had your contest, we're having sort of a special giveaway today. I know, guys, some of your viewers have seen David Green trade live, my partner in Wall Street Global trading academy for the benzinga community today until one o'clock we're offering our course at a 20 percent discount at 400 bucks just for you guys so if you want to go on www.wallstreetglobaltradingacademy.com for the benzinga community you can get it at a hundred dollar discount besides that there's always opportunities and we always talk about this that when we saw it with the gamestop and the reddit and the sort of the the the, the internet sort of approach to mob mob trading or investing I always say, look, guys, the volatility is exciting, but there's 3,800 other opportunities here on the floor of the exchange. It's been rare over the last year to see such a light kind of a quiet, less than a half percent move in the in the market. Right. We haven't seen that. Right. April is traditionally a good month. I'm seeing a bit of a buy imbalance 
on the floor here. One of the things that we have access to in our handhelds, it's probably about 80% to buy. The S&P 500 is trading kind of flattish after the last couple of days. I'm an S&P guy, right? I'm a spider guy. And the last couple of days, two days ago, we had a big sell imbalance. It all reversed. We had a billion dollars to sell and the market turned around. We ended up with 800 million to buy. There's an appetite in this market overall in so many of the instruments, the S&P 500 being one of them trading at a record high yesterday, even with all the stuff that's going on, the Johnson and Johnson, you know, whatever. Peter, can you just talk about the mechanics behind the imbalances to a certain? We talk about those on the show. I'm with Bright Trading. I do have access, but I don't have the handheld access that you do because I'm sitting at a terminal. Can you talk about the flips? Like when you'll see a stock, you know, it's got a hundred thousand to sell and it's in there all morning, and all of a sudden, right before the open, um, it comes in and it flips to a hundred thousand to buy. What's the mechanics behind it? Just a big buyer that was waiting, waiting, and coming in at the last second? Well, it could be a number of things. Yes, that could be also the case. But you're also having right now the way the, the amazing ability for us to be trading 24-7 to have that pre-market interest, right? So when stocks are trading at a dislocation of where the imbalance is going to have it open in New York, you know, let's say it's 100000 to sell. The stock's trading at $25. And they're seeing that on the New York feed. Well, there may be people who are shorting it away Right. And depending on how dislocated it is from what it looks like in New York, you may have it flip in the last second as people are short wanting to cover on the open here in New York. So, you know, one of the games that we do play, I mean, not a game, one of the dislocations, one of the opportunities that we do play, you know, New York does not have the volume it used to, but it is still a very important indicative price. And when people are watching markets pre-market on where things are trading overnight, due to news, due to markets, due to yields, due to interest rates, whatever it may be, there are dislocations on where New York's pricing is. So if there are people seeing a sell imbalance and they're shorting it, then they come in at 929.50 and they put in their buy interest to cover, right? Because once the market opens, it's anybody's guess, then you may often see that. There are people who wait in the wings and put in their interest at the end because they don't want to jack the price up. They yeah. know are watching it you know what i mean yeah they well yeah if you're trying to buy it and you throw that order out there early people are gonna basically try to trade ahead in front exactly. around you to a certain extent because you're showing your hand so they keep the hand you know it's like poker you don't want to show your hand until you absolutely have to exactly exactly because yeah. the, the pot gets too big too early and you don't you're going to get to take advantage of it what about direct listings versus just talk about the mechanics, you know, obviously behind, you know, an IPO compared to a direct listing. I mean, you have so much control on the floor. You've got the the, the DM, the, the designated market maker sitting down there making a market. How is the mechanics behind it all different? Okay. So it's an incredible, um, look, we've been doing IPOs here for a long time in this price discovery process. We really honor ourselves and pride ourselves in being the, one of the most transparent uh, uh, exchanges in the world. There are humans here. The, the information that is transpired between the market maker and the book, we get to see where the bodies are. You know, th this new thing, look, SPACs are new. It's something we're going to learn more about in the future. The rest, li direct listings are even newer, right? We've had a couple of them here on the floor. There is no particular banker. It is a reference price, not not a uh, an allocation price. So there's it's like kind of driving in a snowstorm with really no wind windshield <laughs> in so many ways. One of the great things about an IPO here, and I'm a, I, 
It's one of the things that I do, one of the things I specialize in for my customer base. And having someone on the floor, the information is incredible, is the way a stock, when a company goes from private to public, right? They're giving the opportunity for the public to help price the stock where they show interest. And that process, which, you know, in the old days would take about an hour. Now it takes a lot longer. You're building a building. You're building the foundation of the stock within a new public marketplace. And so where the bodies lie, where the interest is from the public, from from secondary markets, from the banker themselves, it's really like, you know, that's why it often will take so long. Where a stock opens, how it opens, and the price it opens at is like building a building. You don't start building a building by putting bricks up here. You do it with a foundation. And so that price discovery process that we do on the floor is incredible. Some stocks will open below the deal. Some stocks will open in a frothy state above the deal. But the way it's done and the time that's taken to see where uh, where the bodies lie, where the real public interest is, where everybody's interest is, is super important the way it opens and then how it trades going forward. The direct listing process is different. And I know it's done for all different number of reasons, whether they're skirting certain old SEC rules or they're doing the the the, the road show is a bit different or they're, they're, they're not paying the fees that are done in the IPO process. It does leave a little bit to be desired. We had, I think it was Spotify, it was the original, the first direct listing we hear we had here on the floor. That's kind of why I loved your 350 because it opened up, I think about $100 from the deal. And, you know, I think the initial move was down because we don't know where the bids are. One of the great things about IPOs are when a stock is, let's say, you know, is coming to market at 20 bucks and the, it takes a couple hours and it looks 25, looks 28, looks 28.30. We know where the bids are on balance. We know where the offers are on balance so that when it opens, we know where there's going to be support and resistance, right? Yeah. So that's helpful for traders, people who want to just trade the market. That's given the opportunity for a whole new generation of people to get involved in trading it. They're not just long-term investors, but people love trading IPOs as they do SPACs. With the direct listing process, you know, you're really, as I said, you're driving in the dark. This thing is going to open on supply and demand purely electronically without a banker, without a market maker, knowing where bids and offers lie. And one of the fears is when you have that, is why would I, if it's going to open at 350, let's say, you and I are gonna be sitting here, we'll be chatting, it's an hour or two into the market, the supply and demand, they're trying to get a price where the electronics will agree, right? We don't know what's bid below. We don't know what's offered above. So that kind of leaves that fear and unknown in it. There are people who are just gonna buy it on the opening and just let it fly and look for the long term. But you're cutting short that trading community on the opening. People have been calling me for a couple of days and I don't recommend stocks and I'm not your advisor, but people have been calling me, what do I do? Do I buy it on the opening? My best bet at this point is you've got to let it open and see where the bodies are going to lie. This could open at 350 and then trade down to 300 because when you don't have the transparency and you don't see where the bricks are in this building, you're less likely to just stick a bit in because you could get whacked electronically and the next bid could be down 30 bucks and then you're really, you know, you're at risk. It's a, it's a great point. It, there is value in patience. Everyone, you know, we, we're, we've talked about it too on the show is, you know, where's it going to open? Do you buy? Do you not buy? 
there is a tremendous value in just sitting on your hands and letting it, letting it play out in front of you before you do anything. Um, Peter, you know, we're, we're at all time highs here and, and a lot of these, these high flying stocks of the last year are not playing ball. Uh, wh- what do you make of that? You know what? Look, let, let, let's, I, I look, I think we went through the markets had an incredible uh, uh, run, right? And at, at every point in markets, you know, this market has been driven by stimulus, been driven by news. It's been driven by the reopening story of the stay-at-home story. It's been driven by the vaccine story. It's been driven by the oh, global economy and how they're doing. It's a minute at a time, sometimes a day at a time. Some of these stocks, I mean, we could look at at the Teslas, the Shopify, the Spotify. I mean, looking at these last three-day moves in so many different stocks. Um, they seem to be a bit frothy at this point. Uh, I I kind of feel that people are sort of stepping back. We have a little bit of a consolidation. As I saw, it's one of the first mornings where we're not seeing a half to a one to more of a percent move on the opening due to what's ever going around. I think people are stepping back. It's a hard place to buy the market, even though it feels like it's going higher. And it's also a hard place to short the market, because if you've been that guy who's picked these levels, whether it's 3,900 in the S&P, 4,100, where you're going, this just can't go any higher. Look at what's happening globally. Look at our economy. Look at the reopening story. It's been dislocated. You've been wrong, right? So, you know, it's really, I think it's a moment to take pause. It's a moment to cherry pick if you're an investor to look at stocks that you want for the long term, because it's very sector oriented too. You're seeing the airlines, the reopening story on one day, it looks good. The next day they're pulling back, you know, on some of the drug stocks, obviously Johnny John this morning is for sale 150,000 on the, on the opening here before I came up, it was a little bit early. You're seeing the banks. So I think people are sort of, you know, once again, I love what you guys said about, uh, uh, um, look, we've got earnings coming out, right? And this is another thing that David Green and I also talk about in the course and in, and, and in any, whenever we talk to people is, in the old days, you used to have a prediction on earnings results, and you'd may get involved in the stock before it, anticipating a positive earning play. At this point, it's sort of, that's sort of an old fundamental move, which I'm really not a fan of lately. I'm more of a fan of price action, right? So I let stocks open as I describe what I would do with the direct listing. Same way, I let the earnings come out and let it fly, because just because you've had good earnings, as Apple did in the last quarter, blowout the stock has done nothing but pull back since then so there's so many people in these spaces it's like buy the rumor sell the news there's so many old premises which tend to work i like to watch a stock let the news come out let let's see where people stand because there are so many people new people in the market there's so much interest everybody has an opinion we know what opinions are everyone's got one right so you need to let it fly let it come out let the stock marinate for a minute and then look at the pro- the price action and use technical analysis. Peter Tuckman is AKA the Einstein of Wall Street from Wall Street Global Trading Academy live uh, from the floor of the NICE where I think he lives. Peter, uh, <laughs> always a pleasure, sir. We'll talk to you again next week. It's a pleasure, guys. And just check it out. We're on sale today for the Benzinga family, www.wallstreetglobaltradingacademy.com for the next three hours. All right. It's- hundred dollars off. I love you guys. Thanks, Peter. Thanks, Dennis, Peter. Dennis, hope you enjoyed that. Well, well I'm, I'm going to start getting Peter on uh, normally every Thursday. 
uh, going forward here. Uh, and oh. you know what? Um, sorry to disappoint, but Peter was just blowing me away with his market knowledge. And I know Peter, and I actually didn't realize I didn't follow him on Twitter. So he, I just followed him on Twitter. So he's the thousandth follower. Plus, he actually has better hair than I do. We had a competition. Peter's hair won me over here as well. His market knowledge and his hair. So I was I I, I tweeted last night who um, uh, I was I just realized I was following 999 people. I was yeah. like I need to follow the 1,000th person. And a lot of people pitched me out there, and I actually might follow some of you yet. The 1,000th <laughs> person, though, ends up being Peter Tuckman. He won me over with that interview this morning. He made me stay 19 minutes after I usually stay. So I'm like, hey, I'm learning something here. So yeah. Peter Peter <laughs> is awesome. Thank you, Peter. Yeah, he's the most photographed man on the street. All right, uh, Dennis. Hair, the hair is amazing. It's way better. My hair is pretty amazing, but I'll tell you, Peter beats me. Someone in the chat said they'd pay for you to get a haircut. I don't know. It's not that bad. Jeez. No, it's just come on. All right, Dennis, trim. Go trade. Maybe a shave too. Here, starting to get a little bit rough. Maybe have a good open. If you're listening via podcast, please remember all the information from our show is meant to be used as informational purposes, not for investing or trading advice. Everyone, have a good rest of your day. At Parker, our purpose is simple: we want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.